I can still honor the gift that I feel like God has given me. Um, and I'm not abandoning that, but I'm also honoring the calling that God has given me in being Reese's mom and being James's wife and being a homemaker. Welcome to the In Between Mama podcast, a place to rest in between who you are and who God is calling you to be. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening again. I'm your host, Riley Sandral, and today I am really excited to welcome my guest, Chelsea Conti. Chelsea is actually a friend of mine from back in um, Detroit. She was my hairstylist for a while. Chelsea and I have been friends for quite a long time, Um, definitely, like, she's, like, one of my Instagram buddies. Uh, She moved to um, Knoxville, actually, a year ago. Um, so we're in the same state again, just on other opposite sides. Chelsea does literally all of the things, and I'll let her tell you about that. Um, she's constantly traveling, and I just love following along. So with all of that, let's welcome Chelsea to today's episode. Welcome, Chelsea, to the In Between Mama podcast. Thank you for Hi. being here today. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. Yes. So, um, yeah, you were, like, definitely on my list of, like, first women I really wanted to have on. So I'm really happy we were able to do this. Um, so we met, I don't even know how many years ago it was now. Like, I was trying to do that math, too. I honestly can't remember. It's got to be close to, like, eight to ten years ago because you were one of my first clients. So, yes. And I've been doing hair for ten years. So oh my <laughs> I think gosh, it's around seriously? that time frame. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I think it is close to that, um, which is amazing. So we met back in Michigan. You were my hairstylist. You were the best. I was so sad when I moved away from you. And then I was so excited when you moved down here to Tennessee, but also sad to hear that you're not actively doing hair as much right now. Yes. Um, but me and I'm one, in Knoxville. So I know we're like, commute, but it's okay. Opposite side of the state. Um, yeah. But we definitely have to meet up in Nashville sometime soon. So I'm really happy you're here. I'm excited to talk about like motherhood and work and travel and like you're doing all of the things and I love it. Um, But I also kind of like want to peel the curtain back a little bit and talk about what that really looks like and how you actually accomplish that. Like what we all really want to (laughs) know. How does well, Chelsea I'm do honored it? That you think, I'm honored that you think I have it all together because I don't. And there's a lot of chaos that happens behind the scenes and a lot of tears and a lot of stress. But mm-hmm. I think it's important to chase after who you are. Mm-hmm. That way you can be the best mom that you can be. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy to share as much wisdom as I can and kind of let you guys peek into the chaos and peek into the madness. And yeah. Maybe you'll pick something up along the way. Yes, I'm so excited. So first, I would love if you would talk a little bit about um, how you got into hair, the beauty industry to begin with. Like, was this always a dream? Was this younger high school Chelsea's dream? Or how did all of that happen? Yeah, so hair, I think, has always been a passion. I love creating. I've always been a creator, whether it be like in the kitchen or arts and crafts um, or whatever the medium might be. I was always creating something. And then in high school, all my friends were going to dances and I was like, "Mm, not my scene, but I would love to do your hair for it and fell in love with doing updos and kind of went into the circuit of doing everyone's hair for proms and homecomings. Um, And it was so much fun. And that's when I learned like, oh, this could be a job. Like I could do this one day and started pursuing it. Long story short, enrolled in beauty school. And then I... I'm a little bit flighty sometimes. 
<laughs> just a little. Um, and I felt like God was calling me to do something else. Really, it was just my own pride that was like disguised as God's voice. But my pride was saying, hey, knowing your family has gone to college, you have the opportunity to go to college. You should go to college. Beauty school is a cop out. Don't do it. Um, mm. Even though that's what I wanted to do, I felt like I shouldn't do it. So I dropped out of beauty school three days before it started and enrolled in college. And oh, wow. not only go to college, but go away to college and a private liberal arts college and got oodles and oodles of debt from it. Yes. As one does. If I'm, if I'm doing something, I'm going all in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, quickly realized that college was not my scene. Mm. Um, like within the first few weeks, I was like, these are not my people. This is not not my jam. But I committed, so I'm going to finish. Um, changed my major five times, ended up graduating. Someone really should have pulled me aside and said, Chelsea, this isn't for you. You clearly don't know what you want to study. Maybe take a gap year. But they didn't. <laughs> um, and so I um, was just bent on finishing and ended up finishing in three years with a double major and got married to the love of my life and was I was selling hearing aids because we needed a job and I couldn't find another job and did not like corporate America and was so unhappy I was so unhappy um I mean selling hearing aids is not that's like a great thing for like two truths and a lie like I sold hearing aids (laughs) Yeah, um, but it helped pay the bills because my husband wasn't making much at the time and he needed money. So I was like, yep, sure, I'll work. It's fine. So a friend kind of pulled me aside, a really close mentor, a friend, and she was like, what do you want to do? Clearly you're unhappy. What do you want to do? And I was just like, I want to do hair. Like I, That's what I feel like my calling is. I want to do hair. Nothing fulfilled me more than making my friends feel so confident and beautiful Mm. before they went to a huge event. That's what I want to do. Yeah. But beauty school is very expensive. And I had all that school debt, so we couldn't do it. And then another friend was like, hey, have you heard of an apprenticeship? And I was like, I mean, only from like Meet Felicity, like American Girl Doll series. That's the only time I've heard of an apprenticeship before. Those still exist? Um, She's like, yes, they do. They're kind of hard to find, but let's see if we can find you one. And so we ended up finding a salon in the area that was doing apprenticeships. They had an opening. I applied, got the job, and from day one, it's like, this is where God has me. This is my calling. This is where my hands are supposed to create his beauty, like, through this. And it's been 10 years. Um, Yeah, so it's kind of always been my calling, but I had a lot of little side routes to get there. (laughs) You know, I relate to that so much. It's amazing how... um, like Satan can just come in and just like slightly twist things to make it seem like God wants us to do something else. And in reality, he's like, no, actually like this is where I want you. And we're always like, it's something you just know in your gut. Um, Mm -hmm. I also love that you had like such an amazing friend that spoke so much life into you and like really challenged you to look deeper and yeah, into everything and uh now you're here that's amazing and a supportive husband who was like yeah chase your dream yeah absolutely the cuts where we need to and you know we'll figure it out and yeah he's been like he's been my number one fan and the Mm. best person to have corner through all of the craziness of being a hairstylist um so yeah he was a huge part of it too so 
That's amazing. Gotta give, gotta give James a little shout out there. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's like, I love it so much. Um, so, okay. So within all of that, were kids ever kind of on the radar? Was that something that you had a desire for or what did that kind of look like? Yeah. So kids and I have a complicated past. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I grew up in the homeschool circuit. So everyone has a dozen babies. That's just kind of yep. what you're raised around. You know, yep. like everyone has kids and you're kind of in this mentality. Um, at least I was raised in the circle. It never came from my parents. I always want to give this disclosure. It never came from my parents. I put myself in the circle of you get married, you have kids, you are housewife. Like that is yep. what a Christian woman does, right? Yeah, I completely get that. And then I was like, I don't want to do that. So I didn't fit into my circle but also kind of played the part because I wanted friends and wanted to be accepted. Yeah. But when I went to college, I had a lot of growth. And I think that God used that experience for a lot of good. And that's really when I realized I don't necessarily enjoy children. <laughs> this is not, I don't want a dozen kids. I don't want to drive a minivan. This is not my scene. And that's okay. Oh, and yeah, totally. God can still use me. I can still be a faithful wife. I can still be a faithful servant of his. Mm. And even if I just have one or two kids, that's still a beautiful thing. So God really used that time to kind of deconstruct and help me to feel confident in my true passion of not having a dozen children. <laughs> um, that's so, a beautiful way to put that because I also yeah. I'm like I'm at this point now where I've had two kids and now people are like where's the third where, you have two how many more yeah. are we gonna have and on my side of the family on my dad's side everyone just keeps having babies and that's amazing for them but I've also and realized yes. that like if I I don't actually love the role of like mm-hmm. the duties of motherhood I love being a yeah. mom I love my children yeah I I but, love like, Reese tremendously yeah I don't love pregnancy I don't love Mm -hmm. I love like supporting other people in their births love it want to be a birth worker one day but me personally don't want to be pregnant again and if I had more kids that would probably be a worse thing for my mental health and then being a worse mom like and I think that's being a good steward of our bodies and understanding like that's a calling too we have to we are a temple. So we have to mm-hmm. protect ourselves and care for ourselves. And there is a fine line between like that, that little voice that devil can place in your mind and it can be ungodly. But I think mm-hmm. that there can't godliness in saying, no, I'm okay. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, but yeah, so kids, like they were in around me, but I was never passionate about like having a bunch of children. Um, I married a man who comes from a Greek and an Italian family. They have big families. Mm. So this was a big point of discussion for us before getting married. Um, and I was kind of like, if we have kids, we have kids that great. That's great. If we don't, we don't. That's great too. Mm -hmm. Um, but was pretty firm on like, I don't want a bunch of them. And he was okay with that. Thankfully, we just kind of agreed we would take it the first five years, just ourselves. And then after five years, we would discuss children again and go from there. So we got married really young, um, yeah. as did you. Yes. So there's there's been many times where we were like, part, like, I love my kids. I would not wish to have any different kids. And I know I would have different kids if we had them in a different time. Yeah. I also wish we had taken just a smidge more time just to have with each other because you don't realize how much you learn about each other. Because we're almost yeah. at five years of, of being married, and it's like, 
this has been a it's been a long five years of like not in a bad way but like no but new things you, about each other so much that comes yeah. from it yeah you learn about yourself you learn the good and the bad yeah you learn so much about jesus and mm-hmm. like how forgiveness yes <laughs> and <laughs> the grace upon grace <laughs> yes and yeah so i'm really grateful that we had the time that we had before yeah. reese but um yeah so we hit our five-year anniversary and we kind of said okay let's give it another year mm-hmm. um and we'll go from there we both kind of were in the middle of some big career changes and it just didn't feel like the timing was quite right we were in the middle of finding a new church so that felt a little bit chaotic mm-hmm. um so we're like let's give it another year then we'll go from there and during that time frame I had a slew of health things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very, very sick, and doctors could not figure out what was going on with me. And um, we started having conversations with doctors about, like, children. Like, what is this going to look like? If I'm so sick, am I going to be able to get pregnant? Um, I had a lot of hormonal things going on, a lot of irregular periods, and super depleted in nutrients and iron, and my body just, like, could hardly sustain itself. Um, and doctors repeatedly were like, Hey, even if you did get pregnant, you're not going to stay pregnant. So we don't advise you trying Mm. having children. Um, and it got to the point where they told me that I couldn't have kids long story short. So we spent a lot of time praying through that. And, um, I think James was a little bit more devastated than I was. Again, I was kind of like, if we have kids, we do, if we don't, we don't. Mm. Um, but there is still like a reality of, wow. Like, this isn't even on the table for us. It's out of our control. We don't get to pick this. Yeah. Um, Which was a little bit jarring. Yeah, I'm sure. And we both agreed, like, okay, well, we don't want to be 80 and be alone. (laughs) So (laughs) we would like children. Um, So let's pursue adoption. Like, that felt really biblical. Like, there's a calling for it. Mm. Um, Growing up, we adopted my cousin, so I saw firsthand the radical change that can make in a person and just kind of felt this, like, there are so many babies. Why not do this? Um, For us, like, IVF wasn't really in the picture. Surrogacy wasn't really in the picture, nothing like that. Adoption was kind of our answer to this. So we started pursuing adoption, and then I was late. Um which was not abnormal. It's mm-hmm. not abnormal. I was, it was very normal for me to go three, four months without a period. So I didn't think anything of it. But then I started having some weird symptoms, um, which again, I dismissed because I'm super sick. So like, this is just, my body's being weird again. Yeah. Um, but then I had period like cramping and no period. And so I Googled it. And when you're in your 20s and you Google anything, it's like pregnancy, anything yeah, as a pretty much, pregnancy. pretty much. Yeah. So I was like, haha, that's funny. Um, but you know what? I'll swing by Target on my way home from work and pick up a pregnancy chest just to rule it out. And of then course. I can tell, like, I'm not pregnant. I took a test. And Riley, I peed on that stick and I didn't even have to wait 10 seconds. It was like that. And oh two Lord. lines popped up. And I was home alone. James was hanging out with a good friend of ours. And I went into panic because and cried sitting on the toilet because I was yeah. like, this isn't this isn't going to be good. Like, my body can't handle this. Like, I hear all these voices of the doctors. Yeah. And 
what do I do? Like, we're, we weren't planning for this and we were going to adopt. And this is so like, my head was spinning, Mm. spinning. And I was home alone for four and a half hours while James was hanging out with his friend. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And he was the type of friend where I couldn't text James and be like, Hey, are you coming home? Because that was so out of character for me. The friend would have been like, what's going on with Chelsea? Why is she texting you? So I just had to sit there. Um, and it was the longest period of my life, <laughs> just sitting there in silence. I'm sure. Um, and I eventually James came home. I'm sitting like in a dark house, <laughs> <laughs> crying in the corner of the couch, <laughs> scared to death, right? Yeah. And I don't know how he's going to respond and just all of it. So I let him know, like, I took a pregnancy test. And it was positive. And he immediately went into, like, caretaker mode. He was very sweet. He just, like, Mm. sat on the couch and he held me while I cried. And I just, like, laid out all of my fears and Mm. hesitations and anxieties and everything I was feeling. And he listened. He didn't try to fix anything. He just listened, which was, like, the best thing for him to do in that moment. Good man. And he said two things. The first thing he said was, how reliable are these tests? Should you take another one? I was like, okay, fair, but no, I'm pretty sure this is positive. And then he said, I'm actually really excited. And it was exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. Um, And then, ironically, I messaged you because I was panicking. Yes, I do remember that message. (laughs) Yes, um, being more health conscious and all of those things, I was like, I need someone to debrief with. I can't tell the world yet and who can I tell that like doesn't live in the circle so like there's no yeah fear of it getting out you had already moved to Tennessee and I was like I need help who can I call Riley I'm so (laughs) glad you thought of me I've like become my friends all the people literally I've gotten so many of those messages from people and I'm so honored because I'm like yes I will keep your secret and give you all the advice I'm here yes and you had done you had I believe you had already had a baby. Yes, I had had so, Hayden at that yes. point. Yep, you had had Hayden at that point. So I knew that you had done all the research and it could get me just like a little jump start. Because again, I was like, I'm not having kids. I don't need to go down that road. Yeah. I don't even need to research what's in Pitocin or what type of birth I want or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you were a huge resource in that. So yeah, then we walked through pregnancy. So yeah, it was just a crazy, it was a whirlwind. Kids were not on our radar. And then God was like, yeah and that is just I love I love James's response in that and just that like he just sat with you in that is so beautiful and I wanted to touch note on the fact that you guys were in like continuous discussion about this specifically before you even got married I see so many women go into marriages and they don't even really like they just assume they are going to have kids or they assume they're not going to have kids and it's so important that that is discussed before um because then you're able to walk through the actual complexities of it together in real time and be on the same page so it's so beautiful how he supported you I love that yeah 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 he's Um, very faithful (laughs) that's amazing um so Okay, so then you were pregnant. What did that pregnancy look like? Especially because you were on your, you were um, doing hair at that point, still full time. So you're working on your feet. 
you're dealing with the your body and all of the issues that you were already dealing with. I was running my own business. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot. Now, um, was this during? Was this? I, I can't remember when he was born because I had Hayden in 2020. So was he 2021 or 2022? He's. Yep. So he's 2021. I got pregnant the summer of 2020. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So like and, just after COVID. Yeah, and you um, had dealt with all the business stuff through all of that too. Yes. You had just yes. opened your business and then COVID, like. Yep. Just opened yeah. my baby business. COVID shut us down for 16 weeks. Wasn't sure if we were going to make it. We made it. Yeah. And then I found out I was pregnant and I was like, <laughs> hairstylists don't get maternity leave. What does this look like? Yeah. Seriously. Especially when that runs her own business. So how mm-hmm. do you do that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so pregnancy, um, I have amazing clients. They were so supportive. I was really scared to tell a lot of my clients just because mm-hmm. we had just come off of COVID where I couldn't do their hair. We were just kind of getting back in the swing of things and then bam, I'm pregnant. Yeah. And I know that that's going to mean a lot of doctor's appointments. So scheduling is going to have to shift. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know when go into labor. So I don't know how long I can work and I don't know how much time I can take off like or should take off or how my body is going to respond. So there were so many things that I just didn't know and my clients were awesome about it. Um, It was definitely a hard pregnancy um, in ways. So very fortunate. After the first trimester, I wasn't sick. Um, Obviously exhausted because you're just exhausted growing a human being. Um, But I I didn't deal with a lot of things that most pregnant women deal with. And I'm very gracious or very grateful for that. Um, I definitely had a lot of like round ligament pain because I'm on my feet all day and Mm -hmm. I refuse trade my cute shoes for practical shoes <laughs> being in the hair industry I was like I have to look cute for my clients <laughs> of course of course of course um but it was the exhaustion that mostly got me I would have like a 20 break between clients and I would go sit in my car and nap which is very uncharacteristic for me so I I always watch your Instagram stories and wonder I don't know how she does it because when I'm pregnant I do jack diddly squat my house yeah, falls apart it, my my kids fall apart everyone is just like everyone, pause for 10 months scrambling yeah yes yeah so good for yeah. you <laughs> I think honestly I think it's because I had just come off of COVID where I was like mm-hmm. you you can't let this go like mm-hmm. you you still have to chase after this and yeah. we'll figure out the pregnancy later even though you're pregnant we're gonna just figure it out later yeah well, you also, like, had gone through it. Like, Michigan was literally insane with all the COVID Michigan stuff. Michigan was insane. We Hairstylists so. were one of the last things to open up. So I'm still salty about that. <laughs> that could be a Take whole conversation. Yes, I know. I Yes, that is a bitterness that... Like, Jesus, take it from me, but I also feel like it's a righteous anger, so I'm going to hold on to it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, but, yeah, so we had just come off of a really intense shutdown, and it was still very tense in Michigan. Like mm-hmm. even after I was allowed to open up, it was very, very tense. And um, part of that was like wearing masks. You had to wear masks and I couldn't, I was passing out mm-hmm. wearing masks. Um, even without being pregnant, my health issues were causing me to do that. So there was yeah. no way I was going to put on a mask working with all these chemicals in a small space um, while dealing with a client one-on-one. If my yeah. client wanted to wear a mask, whatever, but I I couldn't. Yeah. And I would have people like, pounding on my window yelling at me because I wasn't wearing a mask. Um, so there was a lot of that. But 
That's, again, a whole other conversation that <laughs> yeah, we could have. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yes. Um, segue. <laughs> we don't need to go down there. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so my pregnancy um, with working, it was definitely hard. But I think that it was just the drive of you have a baby business. And if you want a business to come back to, you have to keep hustling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just, like, just a pattern in my life of hustle and – I wouldn't necessarily say it's a healthy pattern, but it's something that I'm really good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally. <laughs> and so relate. I was, I was in hustle mode, and yeah. I was not going to let this pregnancy slow me down or stop me. Um, no matter how exhausted, how fatigued, how depleted I was, mm-hmm. um, my business was my baby, and so I was going to still care for it. Then I couldn't. <laughs> mm. So we had a lot of scares during the pregnancy of some really random things that happened. So I had a double-walled placenta, which is extremely rare. Yeah, very rare. Um, And essentially causes the baby not to get enough nutrients. Mm -hmm. I don't get enough nutrients, so Reese wasn't getting enough nutrients. And I started losing weight in the third trimester. like rapidly losing mm-hmm. weight. They had me on a high protein diet and they wanted me like moving as little as possible, which again, I was like, I'm a hairstylist. I'm on my feet for like eight hours a day. This no movement thing is not really doable. Yeah. Um, so had to cut back on my hours a ton, had to cut back on, you know, the hustle as much as I could, but still had to pay rent. So there's that too. Like I had to pay rent for my space. So I yeah. had to work enough to pay rent and I just wasn't paying, pay, taking paychecks at the time and trying to save for maternity and um, also trying to take care of myself. And we had weekly ultrasound appointments to make sure that he was growing um, and that my placenta was still okay because it was deteriorating rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got to the point where doctors were kind of like, you might not have a baby like this Mm. might it might not you might carry but you might not bring home a baby um and you just need to start getting prepared for that so again I just kind of poured myself into my work because how do I mean how do you prepare yeah how do you yeah yeah yeah. um and felt kind of like an imposter because we were still like having a baby shower and getting the nursery ready but then these doctors again the voices were you might not have a baby. You just like need to prepare yourself for that. Like this, things could go wrong. Things could go very wrong. Um, so we were at an ultrasound appointment. I was 36 weeks. I, the ultrasound appointment was at like 730 in the morning, all the way out in Ann Arbor, which was like a 40 minute drive from our house. Ugh. And I know it was the worst. I know that drive. That's a terrible drive. It's me. a horrible drive. I know. And there's not even good coffee shops along the way. So no. I was like, no incentive. I rolled out of bed and James, I was telling James, like, you don't even have to come with me. Just work. It's fine. I'll just go to this one. Like we had been going to them every single week. It was getting yeah. really exhausting. And these aren't fun ultrasound appointments. It's not like your anatomy one where they're like, oh, here's a hand and here's the head. And these are kind of like tense. Everyone's tense. They're doing a lot of measurements. You don't normally get to see the screen. So you don't even get to see your baby. Um, And you're like just listening for a heartbeat. Yeah. So they're not fun. (laughs) It's not like what you think when you're going in for a scan. Yeah, totally. But um, yeah, so I rolled out of bed and 
had nothing with us, just went to the ultrasound appointment. I was supposed to go to work right after. Uh, well, I had enough time to like go home, shower, get ready because I was in my PJs. <laughs> go to work. Um, and we were just going to carry on with our day. And pretty quickly in that ultrasound, we could tell something was wrong. Yeah. Um, like they called another nurse in or whoever does ultrasound tech, yeah. another ultrasound tech in. And then they both left and came back in and they were like trying me to sit in different positions and we could just tell something was off. Mm-hmm. Um, they turned off the monitor at one point in time. So I thought like, this is it. Like, this is, this is the moment, right? Where we've been warned. And um, James just kind of sat by my side. He ended up coming with me. He was like, absolutely. I'm going to the ultrasound with you, which I'm very glad because it yes. was a stressful one. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like held my hand. And I think we both were just like subconsciously praying the same prayer of like, if this is it, just let it be it. And like, give us the strength to go through this. This is not going to be easy. Um, and finally they came back in. They're like, Hey, we called your doctor you need to go to labor and delivery right now. Like, don't, don't go home. Don't stop anywhere. If you need gas, we'll call you an ambulance, that type of emergency. Like you need to go to labor and delivery right now. Okay. All they told us. Yeah. Mind you, the monitors were turned off. I didn't even know if there was a heartbeat, you know, like it just go. That's why I, I have had the hardest experiences with ultrasound text because they can't tell you anything and it's the most nerve-wracking thing. And I don't, I don't hold it against them. I know that I they know. can't tell you anything. But, but like, they should the, make it the, so they can the, tell the, you something. Something. Yeah, yeah. Like, your baby's still alive, but go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please. Can we, yes. like, change a law or anything? Because something. they need to be able to tell you yes. anything. Something. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, they can tell me the gender, but they can't tell me if my baby's okay. Mm, yeah. So wow. we both were in a like uh, a daze. We were in a daze. Yeah. I immediately called my doula and was like, I know I'm early. They told me just to go to labor and delivery. I don't even know what's going on. Um, I'll keep you posted, I guess, but you don't need to come to the hospital right away. Um, I don't know. And she's a believer. She was such an amazing person to have in my birth and walk through me with pregnancy. Um, and she just started praying with me on the phone, um, which is exactly what I needed in that moment because my head felt so frazzled and I was like, I, like I was shaking. I didn't know what to do. Um, James is like trying to call our parents and trying to find directions to labor and delivery. And we're just like all crazy. And she just like brought us back to center and just prayed with me and prayed for Reese and for the day ahead of us. And um, she was like, I'm going to drop my kids off and I'm going to meet you there. And I just was so grateful for her. Like, I'm on it. It's okay. Even if you're not going to have your baby right now, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to walk through you. Um, Just a beautiful picture again of Jesus, like in my life of I'm going to be faithful and Mm. walk through with you holding your hand, um, called our parents, you know, we were all just chaotic. Again, I had nothing with me. I didn't even have my ID with me. Um, I had left my wallet at my parents' house the night before. Oh no. (laughs) So I was like, do you need an ID to give birth? I don't even know. (laughs) What do I need? Yeah. I didn't have my bag, nothing. So 
again, this is post COVID time. Michigan is still under some pretty strict rules. So mm-hmm. James was allowed in labor and delivery with me until I was admitted into a room. Yep. So yeah, I'm just going to hold my comments. <laughs> oh, yes. So many comments. So um, I go up to triage and, you know, they hook me all up and blah, 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 blah. I'm on the phone with my mom trying to fill her in. Also trying to get her access to my books because obviously I'm not working today and my clients need to know. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Like that's like just trying to figure out everything while I'm wondering if my child, like what's going on with my baby. Yeah. Um, had to get a COVID test because that was a thing. And yeah, it was just it was a lot of chaos before James could even James is sitting in the parking lot in the car by himself. Like we're both alone in this moment of just uncertainty. Yeah. And so um, finally, my COVID test came back negative and a midwife came in and she was like, sweetie, do you like, do you know why you're here? And I just started crying. I was like, I know I don't. And I'm not a crier. I um, feel like I should disclose that I'm not a crier, but mm-hmm. it was just like so tension had built up. Um Pregnancy made me cry a lot. Maybe I was a crier during pregnancy. I feel like that's an appropriate time to cry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When you find out you're pregnant and then when you're just sitting in triage all by yourself not knowing what's going on. Yeah, that's okay. Appropriate times to cry. So she just came up to me and she was like, okay, I'm going to explain it to you. Um, I don't have like all the knowledge, but I can break down what's going on. Mm -hmm. Essentially, your baby's in extreme distress. Um, He's still alive, but he's in extreme distress, and we have to start preparing you to induce you for labor because we got to get your baby out. Mm -hmm. Um, And all I heard was induce, and my head was like, this is the last thing you wanted. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, like this, okay, we'll figure this out. We'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. So they James was finally able to come up. Um, they, I mean, my birth story is kind of a long story, but I'll try to snop, like, give you a little synopsis. Yeah. Essentially, they kept saying it was going to be a marathon, not a sprint. Um, they wanted to give me the shots for his lungs because I was so early, and he was measuring very, very small. Um, so developmentally, he was measuring a few weeks behind what I was gestationally. Okay. Um, so they're like, we just don't know what his lungs are going to look like. We really want to give you the shot for the lungs. They have to be 24 hours apart. So this is going to be a marathon. Like your husband can go to the house and he can go and get your bag and he can go and eat lunch and he can go, you know, like he's got time. You're just going to be sitting here, um, get things to make yourself comfy, that type Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. We have him under like really clear monitors so we can make sure that nothing changes. If something changes, um, we'll pull you in for an emergency C-section. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of always the underlying tone. Yeah. My doula was there with me. Um, and so James left to go get our things. Cause again, I was in my PJs and had nothing and <laughs> needed a few essentials. Yeah. Um, and when he was gone, my doula and I were able to just like sit together, pray together, work mm. through it together. Um, praising Jesus that my baby was still alive. Yeah. But also praying through what the next season was going to look like, what these next hours were going to look like. Yeah. Um, 
and working through like my birth plan, what I had wanted it to be versus what it was going to be. Um, Managing expectations. Yeah, all of those expectations. God, I see like God's hand. I mean, I feel like to be a Christian and not see God's hand in birth is like you'd really have to be blind because it's just such a powerful thing. But leading up to it, I see God's hand in so many little moments. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, God kept saying, I've got you. I've got you. Yeah, It's okay. I've got this. Um, the first nurse that I met when I was admitted, she just came and sat next to me and she was like, okay, so clearly your birth plan went out the window the moment you sat down in triage because you weren't planning on having a baby a month early. Let's talk about what was important to you on your birth plan and we're going to honor it as much as we can. Wow. And I was so scared to have a hospital birth. I didn't want a home birth, but I was terrified to have a hospital birth because I wanted to have a more natural birth. And I kept hearing these horrible stories about how it's just not accepted and nurses are, you know, it's taboo. Yeah. Um, And I do think it just depends on the medical staff that you get in your room at the time. I think Uh, that plays a huge But this nurse was just, she, she was a, I don't know. She was a blessing. She was amazing. She was a little saint. Um, And so she wrote down the things that were most important to me. Because again, I didn't have my birth plan on me. I had nothing. (laughs) Yeah. So she wrote it all down on the board. And every time a new nurse came into the room, she'd be like, this is Chelsea. Her number one desire is to be informed and to help make decisions about this birth. And then she'd kind of run through the other few things that I had mentioned were important. Um, So it was such a beautiful moment like a small little sliver of Jesus saying hey I got you don't worry I I see that this isn't going how you wanted it to but we're gonna get through this together yeah um so then my doula and I worked through things together she kind of helped um I was terrified to give birth terrified I don't do vomit and I was like the worst thing that I can do is vomit while I'm giving birth this is not going to be good (laughs) I have an irrational fear of puke and I was just terrified that I was going to throw up during labor. Yeah. Um, so I did not throw up. Praise Jesus. <laughs> they ended up, praise Jesus. They ended up inducing me. Um, the same day they gave me the first shot for his lungs. So the day okay. that I went in from the ultrasound about three hours later, his heart just kept plummeting. His heart rate just kept plummeting. So like, we need to take action. Um, and my thankfully my nurse staff were great and they really advocated for me and every time I would say well hey can we try um the Foley bulb or can are you breaking my water or can we give it another 45 minutes they would honor that um I feel like they're kind of humoring me because they knew at some point they'd have to take me back for an emergency c-section but every time we would extend it, my body would progress farther in labor, um, which was just God answering small and big prayers throughout that whole labor and delivery. Absolutely. Um, And it sounds like your body, from what I understand about birth, it sounds like your body, every single time they honored that, was feeling safer. And yes, like the chemicals were doing their thing because, and obviously that's totally got to for at 36 weeks to be able to just let that happen. But that's just, that's so important. Yeah. And I think that it's just that instinctual 
connection that God has made our bodies to have with our babies. Like my body knew that he needed to come. And if he didn't come, he wasn't going to make it. And Mm -hmm. so it just started kicking it into gear. Um, And it got to one point where I was like, I need something. This is not, (laughs) this is no walk in the park. I am hurting. Mm -hmm. And um, my doula was like, good. That means you're almost done. (laughs) Yeah. So did you have Pitocin with the Foley bulb? Okay. I did not. I just had the Foley bulb. I was able to have a 100% like chemically natural, natural induced labor. Um, yeah, that it was, that is like just knowing you and like what you prioritize and how we're kind of on the same page with that. That is incredible. It yeah, it was like the biggest gift. I can't say the biggest gift, but in labor, one of the yeah. biggest gifts that God gave me because yeah. it was such a passion of mine, and I really just didn't feel comfortable with all of the things that they can put in your body to induce labor. And I think. Mm-hmm. The is a time and place for modern medicine. Reese's story tells that. But for delivery, I just was really passionate about trying to have as natural of a birth as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not a, I am woman, hear me roar, nothing like that. It was just, I didn't feel comfortable. My body doesn't respond well to medication. So why would I try to do something like that while I'm giving birth? Definitely. Um, so yeah, I was able to have a natural birth. Um, very, very grateful for that. It made my recovery so much easier. Um, and he was born seven hours after they started the induction. So it was very fast. Wow. Yeah. And again, they kept saying, this is going to be a marathon. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to take some time. And then that day, like he was here. Um, wow. And I don't think that the doctors or the nurses were expecting that. No, but like what a cool but, testimony too, just mm-hmm. like to them to yeah. see whether or yeah. not they believed, but like you can't see that and not see God in exactly. some way. Yeah. Wow. In some way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he was born and pretty much immediately taken to the NICU. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very sick, very, very sick and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. Um, so lungs were fully developed. He was eating fine brain was fine, you know, functionality, he was fine. His blood sugars were in the single digits, which are very, very dangerous. He was constantly for brain seizures. um, And we could not get his pancreas to wake up. Mm -hmm. So um, we spent a month in the NICU. And those were the darkest days. Those were my darkest days. Um, I don't remember the first half of the NICU. James has to remind me a lot of things because my brain has just kind of blocked it out. I think just to keep my mental health a little bit clearer. And I was in Mm -hmm. such a deep fog um, and dealing with some really serious postpartum depression immediately after birth and anxiety. Um, Again, post-COVID or pre, during COVID, COVID world. I don't know because we were post COVID, but it wasn't really post COVID for the hospitals. Yeah, Um, definitely not. And especially not in the NICU. Were you, were y'all able to go together to see him or were you forced to separate like we were with Hayden? So we were allowed to go together, um, but I was not allowed to stay at the hospital. So Mm -hmm. we had to leave every single night for, I was discharged two days after. So Mm-hmm. For like 27 days, we had to leave him every single night mm-hmm. with the fear of you might not come back to a baby. 
because we don't know what's wrong and he's very, very sick and we don't know how to help him. Um, They were calling in resources from so many other hospitals and everyone was just kind of like, we, we tried this. It didn't work. We tried this. It didn't work. We tried this. It didn't work. Um, Yeah. Those, those days I was having panic attacks. I hadn't had panic attacks in like a decade. I was having Mm -hmm. panic attacks. I was really, really struggling to see God in it all and see like how, how he carried us through those seven and a half, eight months of pregnancy, that birth, and then to put us in that situation with no, no clarity, no hope. Um, I just felt so fragile and weak and helpless. And I, I didn't like lose God or lose faith in God. I was just having a really hard time seeing God's hand in these moments. Um, and yeah, it, it was just a really, really dark time. Um, that could be a whole nother episode. (laughs) NICU life. Yeah. Um, no, it is, it is, um, I think from all of the women that I have talked to, including like my own story with the NICU, it is, Mm -hmm. I think it's quite literally the worst feeling possibly in the world to be separated from your baby. It's counterintuitive. It, it's like it's not your... how our bodies are designed, Mm-mm. and yeah. So and sometimes you're... we really just can't help it. I, there are stories of where it's like for me personally, I still believe down to my bones that for Hayden it was completely and totally unnecessary and a power play by that pediatrician. But and but regardless of the reason why they're there, it it just it like it feels like your soul is being ripped from your body, yeah. and it's 100%. on top of your postpartum hormones and that everything getting thrown out of whack because you're and not able so, like, to be intuitive. You're told like after you have a baby, you need to lay low. And like I had planned on doing, you stay in bed and then you stay close to your bed. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like that gradually easing into moving again. And here I am 24 hours after giving birth and I'm walking down to the NICU to see my baby. Like yeah. that's, that's not normal. Yeah. And no, they they made me day, walk too. <laughs> Yeah, every day having to walk up three flights of stairs to the mm-hmm. NICU. Um, that's not normal. And it's not normal to go home to an empty nursery. And it's not normal to have all those beeps and the buzzers and all those sounds and the anxiety that that can trigger on top of all your post-hormonal imbalances. Yeah, It's just so – it's it's not – you're set up for failure. I feel like no matter what, you're set up for failure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So those days were very, very hard. Um, on day 16, I had the, one of the worst panic attacks I've ever had. They were putting in a, um, a pick line in him and doing, um, an echo on his heart. And it was just, it was like more, it was more than I could handle. And mm. I went into the bathroom and had a massive panic attack, called my mom and like that type of crying, hyperventilating where you can't even like have the sound of air coming in or out of your lungs was what was happening. Mm. And we had so many people praying for us. And I mean, we were on so many prayer chains and small groups and the network I have a list of all the names that I know of that were praying for us, and there were over 100 people. Um, 
And my mom just kept reminding me of God's warriors who were praying for us and how I wasn't alone in this. And my job was to show up and protect Reese and to be his mom. And um, it was like God in that moment was like, you're going to get through this. I've got you. Like I could hear him saying that, like, you're going to get through this. I've got you. Take a deep breath take the first step, walk out the door. Hmm. And so I did. And after that, I had like total mental clarity in the NICU. Wow. My postpartum issues weren't gone, but I had total mental clarity, which I did not have before that. Um, but God just kind of granted me that couple weeks of peace where I could make huge medical decisions for him, be engaged in the conversations and know cognitively what was going on with my baby. Hmm. Um, which was really important for the weeks to come. So they ended up putting him on this drug. I was not a fan of it, but there were no other options. It yeah. was like, we, there is no other options. We have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the first babies to ever be put on this drug. It's not designed for babies. It was wow. very, very harsh. Yeah. Um, and everything in my mom gut was like, get him off of this medicine. You have to get him off of this medicine. It caused him extreme abdominal pain. He ended up having a herniated belly button that at one point they said we had to have surgery to like fix because it was so herniated. Mm-hmm. He we had to get blood draws like monthly because things were not right and had to take his sugars. Like our lives were just crazy. It was like every three hours we have to take his sugar. Every six hours he has to get this medicine. He has to eat every three, three and a half hours, but he can't eat within an hour of taking the medicine. Otherwise he'll projectile vomit and he won't actually have any food in his system, which will cause his sugars to go off. And our heads were just spinning. It was a big time. Um, And they referred us to this doctor and the NICU staff was like, he's only going to be on this medicine for a little bit. Like his body's just got to wake up. His body's just got to wake up. And so I went to the endocrinologist that they referred me to. And in our first meeting, she's like, why are you here? I'm like, oh, this is good. This is good. Hmm. Um, And she told me, no, he's going to have to be on this medicine until at least preschool. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not what I was told when I agreed to give him this medicine in the NICU. And why can't we give it a few months and then try to wean him? And obviously, like, if it doesn't go well, we put him right back on him. You know, his body responds to it. But she just was not listening to me. Mm. Um, I felt really defeated. Again, was having tons of panic attacks. Um, Just felt like I wasn't being heard. I didn't know how to care for this baby. I'm not comfortable with babies. I, like, don't hold babies. I don't know, like, what do you do with how, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On top of, like, having to medically care for my baby and the stress of, is he eating enough? Are his sugars okay? Like, you're just not sleeping. The baby's not sleeping. You're that's still not, healing. That's not in any of the pregnancy books. No, it's really <laughs> not. Or Google. Like, even yeah. if you Google it, it's not there. Yeah. Um, so I was just... I was really, really, really struggling. Um, My postpartum anxiety was just through the roof. And another one of those little moments where God just was like, I've got you. Mm. I've got you. I threw out on Facebook that I was looking for a pediatric endocrinologist that I needed to switch Reese. Um, Again, we lived like 45 minutes from the hospital that I was having to go to for his endocrinology appointments, and it just wasn't conducive. Um, and I have a lot of medical anxiety too. So like 
it wasn't good to be in that big of a hospital. And a friend that I hadn't spoken to in easily a decade, maybe closer to 15 years, was like, hey, my son has diabetes. I go to this office. And it was 0.5 miles away from my house. Oh, my goodness. I drove past it all the time to get to work. And I didn't even know that it was a pediatric endocrinologist. So um, I called them up and they're like, absolutely, we would love to see you. And it was also hard because at our previous doctor, I had to go to appointments alone. I wasn't allowed to bring anyone because of COVID. Um, Which again, I'm like, it's a newborn baby. Like even, (laughs) what? You need an extra set of hands. Like there was one time he had a blowout in the doctor's office. And I was like, I don't know what to do. He's crying. I can't hold him and change his diaper and clean the mess that he made during this blowout. Like I need an extra set of hands. Um, But this new doctor, they're like, bring somebody with you. That way you can have someone to hold the baby so we can talk. And it was just such a more family friendly, family run office. And this doctor was amazing and again it was just jesus saying hey i know this is hard i know i am pushing you to beyond your limits Mm -hmm. but i've got you and you just need to sit back and watch me because i've got you and so this doctor was like i think we should try to wean him off the medicine no one wants to be on medicine that long let's try to wean him if it doesn't go well we put him back on it here's my personal cell phone number that you can call or text at any point in time yeah that type of doctor um So long story short, we were able to wean race off of the medication uh, when he was around seven months old and he has had zero health complications since then. Like he is 100% healthy and even doctors are like, wait a second. So he had all these issues and he has nothing going on now. And I'm like, yep, totally Jesus. Jesus healed him. And I do not deny that. And the hundreds of people we had praying for my son like he is a testimony to their prayer. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I don't feel like we get to see those walking miracles very often. And little man race is my walking miracle. So it is. That's amazing. And such yeah. a cool fact that like his entire existence life is uh, just bringing glory back to God through his story. That's yeah. amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, I guess I'm wondering, like, what happened to your business and all of this? Like, how did that <laughs> even yeah. how did that even work? As you like, did you transition back to work? How 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 like how, I'm, yeah. how? <laughs> what did you do? How did you do that? So I did transition back to work. Um, I took longer off for maternity than I thought that I would because Mm -hmm. obviously he was really sick and I did not trust leaving him with anybody. Um, So I took a little bit longer off, but the nice thing was I was able to like go in on a Saturday when James was home and do some work and it Mm. was fine. And it was like my little escape. Um, Yeah. Because I was very much in a dark place being with Reese all day. Um, and I love him. Like I loved having those moments with Reese and I loved, you know, being his mom, but the heaviness of all the medical stuff was not good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the unknown and, you know, well, and the fact that you hard. don't ha- it's have hard. another, you don't have another, I mean, it's hard when you don't have all of those things like yeah. that you're dealing with just being with a newborn all day. It's like, you start to feel like you're going crazy because it feels almost yes, more impossible like to get day. 
Yeah, yes. it's like it's impossible to get out of the house. I would rather not. If I do, it's chaos. So I'm just gonna stay home. But that's also. But not then good I for feel me. really lonely, and yeah. I like to be out and about. I'm an adventurous person. I don't mm-hmm. like to be home all day. But then, what do I do? And yeah, it was yeah, it was a lot. So being able to have those small moments, um, whether it be like an evening appointment after James was done with work, or a weekend appointment, um, those were my little like hope days of like, okay, I get to like put on a cute outfit. I get to do my hair. I get to have adult conversations. Conversation. I get to be part of the real world wow. and kind of leave the heaviness of everything going on with race behind. Um, so that's kind of how I started to ease into it. Again, James is like my number one fan. He's always in my corner. And he was like, you can't be a stay-at-home mom. Like, this is not good for you. We need to figure out a way for you to go back to work. Reese Mm. is healthier now. He's stronger now. Um, He wasn't completely weaned off of his medicine, but we were definitely seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And so we um, thankfully lived really close to family, and both of our moms were very eager to watch Reese. Mm. And so when he was little, that's who he stayed with while I worked. I would drop him off at one of our moms, and um, I could trust them, you know, like they – they would love him and care for him like I would and they kind of became his caretakers while I was at work Chavo definitely took kind of a back seat um so I was still working but I was not growing the business like I had intended when I set out to grow my business and start my business um but it was really cool because without me trying to grow my business my business exploded and it got too big Um, which was a really beautiful thing to see. Like when I stopped idolizing my business and prioritizing my business over other things, it just became big and I didn't have to advertise. I didn't have to put my name out there because my books were full and my wait list was full. And, um, so I definitely took a village to be able to let me go back to work and, um, yeah, it definitely took a village and a supportive husband. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So but, yeah. how have, so then you moved cross country a couple years after that. Now you're down yes. here in Tennessee. Um, We're down here in Tennessee. And so what has that looked like support system wise? Because you're still mm-hmm. working ki- kind of. Yeah. So yeah. I'm re-strategizing. Okay. Um, so I, in, um, it would have been 2022. Mm-hmm. That was last year. Yeah. 2022. <laughs> so in 2022, we finally got some answers with what was going on with my health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was diagnosed with lupus and kind of gave us a lot of answers. Um, I very much don't live in diagnoses, diagnoses, but, mm-hmm. um, it's helping me understand what's going on with my body. Yeah. And so, we, um, I got the diagnosis about a week before my 30th birthday, and we had a trip to England planned for my 30th birthday, which mm-hmm. was our first kind of time away from Reese since he was born, which he was a little over a year. Um, and so we had that time together, James and I, to really talk about our future, talk about my health, talk about what this diagnosis means, our fears, our apprehensions, um, everything 
under the sun. We are able to really have some intentional conversation, which was just a gift. Another one of those little gifts from God where he was like, I got you. Like, I know this is really heavy, but look, you have this trip where you can have uninterrupted conversation with your husband about really big things. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, And so during this trip, um, we both recognized like I was losing dexterity in my hands, um, Mm. which obviously your hands are really important as a hairstylist. Mm -hmm. So starting to drop things a lot more. I can't grip things as well as I used to. And James looked at me and he was like, I love you, but I want you to know at some point I'm going to tell you you can't do hair anymore. And I I need you to honor that when I say it. And that was such a huge blow for me because hair is my passion. I I love doing hair and I love making women feel more confident and beautiful and just radiant in their own skin. And so the thought that I wasn't going to be able to do that anymore, I couldn't even comprehend what that world would look like. Mm -hmm. Um, Fast forward a few months, we both agreed like, okay, we need to move out of Michigan. Like I need warmer weather. We really don't like the way Michigan is going. We don't want to raise our little boy here. Um, we need to move. I don't know when, I don't know where, but we need to move. Mm-hmm. And um, it was also getting clear that like my body needed me to stop doing hair full time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also knew that if we stayed in Michigan, I would never be able to stop doing hair full time. <laughs> because yeah. all my clients were friends. So even if I was like, I'm only going to do my friend's hair and I'm going to do it in the kitchen. I'd still have a full clientele washing their hair in my kitchen sink. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I just knew. I knew it. So I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'll stop doing hair at some point in time, but I don't know when. And yeah, we both agreed, like, we need to get out of Michigan. Let's start praying about this. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't tell anybody. And my mom and I are really close. We normally tell each other everything, but we didn't tell anybody anything Um, because we didn't want to be like, hey, we're moving and then not move or Mm -hmm. have influence way what we really felt like God was calling us to do um so we kind of kept it close to one another and just started praying through it and God laid Tennessee on both of our hearts mm-hmm. um differently but he laid Tennessee on both of our hearts and so we both were kind of like okay let's start exploring Tennessee a little bit more my biggest thing was and I guess James is too but I really could not imagine living far away from my mom Um, and obviously James didn't want to leave his family and that's, you know, it's hard leaving your family, but mom and I are very, very close. We have like an uncanny bond and I just could not imagine not living down the road from my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also knew that if this is what God was calling us to do, we had to be faithful in it. So let's start figuring it out. And it's probably time to start telling our parents that this is what we're thinking. So I had a conversation with my mom and I was like, hey, I have to tell you something. I'm not pregnant, but (laughs) (laughs) James and I are heavily considering and pursuing moving south. Um, We don't have a timeline for it yet but I want to bring you in the conversation just so you're not blindsided. Um, And we're thinking Tennessee. My mom starts crying. She was like, this, this is crazy because your dad has been trying to retire. My dad also had his own business. My dad and I are built the same way. We'd never really be able to retire because we're always just going to do more work. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's trying to retire. 
and he was offered a really good job in Knoxville, Tennessee, where he would still be able to work but not have the physical demands of the job that he was doing because um, he's not old enough to fully retire yet and has the, he's too much of a busybody to fully retire, but he needed to take away, like take a step back from the physical strains of the job. Yeah. Um, but he never even considered taking it because he didn't want to leave Reese. Mm. And we just, I was like, I got chills um, because God was so clearly working in both of our lives mm. without us even talking to one another that it was just so clear that this is where we're supposed to be. This yeah. is where we're supposed to be. And every small detail fell into place without any issues. It felt too easy. Um, yeah, it felt way too easy. So we ended up moving here a year ago, a year ago, Tuesday. <laughs> I was going to say, I just saw you celebrating a year. Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah, so a year in Tennessee. And when we moved, James and I agreed that I would not, um, I would not reopen a salon. I wouldn't go back to work in a salon. I wouldn't reopen a salon. I needed to take a step away from hair. Um, I had also really fallen into some unhealthy habits where I um, was just too busy. It was chaos. Um, our house, I mean, my my life was very chaotic mm-hmm. and very hectic and always hustling, always on the go. And I couldn't get out of it um, as much as I wanted to because I was so deep, deeply involved in so many circles. Yeah. Um, and they all felt really good, but it was too much. Um, and I just couldn't it was like a hamster on a wheel and you just can't get off the wheel. That's where I was in Michigan. And we both agreed that us moving was a reset. We needed to reset our lives. Um, We needed to reset our marriage, um, get back to our roots and start like dating one another again. And Mm -hmm. we needed to prioritize Reese and prioritize like our family unit, prioritize health, um, and just finding new rhythms. So that meant I literally worked up until we left. So the day that we moved, I became a full-time stay-at-home mom. I left all of my creative outlets. I left all of my ministries. I left all of my circles, everything. It was like getting to a stop and all of a sudden you're like, what do, uh, huh? I just fell 500 feet and I slammed into a landing and I don't know what to do. Um, and so I was thrown into a really uncomfortable spot and wrestled a lot with God in the last year of, hold on. You called me to this creative life. You called me to motherhood. I value both. Mm -hmm. Why can't I have both? And I still have youth and I still have movement and I still have health in my life. So why wouldn't I use these years to use my gifts, but also be a stay-at-home mom? Like I recognize what was happening in Michigan wasn't healthy. So why can't I find a healthy balance here? Why does it have to be all or nothing? Um, why can't it be a both and? Yeah. And wrestled a lot. Um, didn't have a lot of answers, but wrestled a lot and went through a lot of identity crisis and a lot of like trying to figure out who is Chelsea 2.0. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who is this person? Um, being a stay-at-home mom felt very uncomfortable. Reese and I were kind of strangers. Um, 
because I was out of the house so much and relying on my village to watch him. And so obviously I was his mom, but he also had a deeper bond with James than with me. Um, Because even when I was with him, I was really distracted um, running my own business and stuff like that. I didn't have good boundaries on anything. I can relate so much to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I recognized, again, I recognized, I saw that it was unhealthy, but I didn't know how to stop it. Yeah. Um, and I needed a year of detox. Um, Mm. so God gave me detox and it was a detox. There were withdrawals there. It, there were, there were the shakes, Mm -hmm. you know, cravings, everything. Yeah. And, but I was also like, I'm going to be faithful in this. God has called me to slow and steady. And so I'm going to be slow and steady. And I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm going to, you know, just enjoy the ride in a way. Um, and so one of it's actually Savannah, (laughs) so our friend Savannah, she moved down to Nashville shortly before I moved to Knoxville. Um, gave up her business to shadow somebody and she, um, does pop-ups in Michigan. And so she was doing a pop-up this past summer and she was like, Hey, you should do one. Your clients would love it. You can come and stay at my house. It would be super fun to work next to each other. Um, cause we used to work across the hall from each other and we both just really missed that community. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you should come and do it. That would be super fun. And it was like a light bulb went off and I was like, yeah, pop-ups, duh, that's what I should be doing. If I do a few pop-ups a year, it still allows me to be in the hair world, still allows me to be creative, build the confidence of my clients and like have that, those moments with them. Um, But I don't have the day-to-day responsibility of running my own business and it's the best of both worlds. Um, So James and I talked about it. He could tell I was really passionate about it. Again, he's my number one fan. So he was like, do it. Go it. for it. We'll figure it out. Go for it. Um, and so I did my first one in June and it just felt so right. Like mm-hmm. this, this. It. Um, so I let my full-time business go when I moved, but I found an even more beautiful business when I moved. And I'm really, really grateful for it. So it's just one of those things where... I can still honor the gift that I feel like God has given me. Um, And I'm not abandoning that, but I'm also honoring the calling that God has given me in being Reese's mom and being James's wife and being a homemaker. Um, And I'm not, I'm not abandoning our house. I'm still watching the gate and I'm still, um, still being that godly wife and that godly mom, but also being the child of God that, he made me to be in that creative person. So that's amazing. I love it so much. Um, I have like so many other things that I like want to talk to you about, but at the same time, we're like completely out of time. This has been so good though. Um, I just am really thankful that you were, um, able to come and talk with me and be so honest. And I, I relate to so many of the things that you mentioned in like the last 10 minutes, but I, I will go on for hours if I start talking about my own connection. To I that. get it. But I honestly can tell you that I uh, am going to take away some things today because I am also struggling with how do I work from home and how do I do all of these things? But my kids don't get like really good one-on-one attention until dad gets home because 
I'm distracted. And so like looking into what boundaries would look like because I crave that. And I also am so embedded in my work that I don't want to give it up either. So it's definitely so it's like one small thing. Yeah. One small thing that I do that I feel like any working from home mom can kind of take um, in the morning. First thing in the morning, um, so Reese is an early riser, so he gets up with James because I'm not an early riser. But first mm. thing, when I come downstairs, we are like no phones, and we make breakfast together. We make our cups of tea together, and because we live in the south and it's still warm outside, we can go out and sit on the front porch, and we just kind of chat, and he digs in the sand, or he plays in the yard, or whatever the case might be, and I might not be playing with him, but I'm with him and I'm totally engaged in him. And I really feel like that sets the tone for the day. And he has more respect because um, he is now a toddler. So he understands a little bit more. Mm-hmm. He has more respect when we've had that 45 minutes to an hour of just us together. When I say, hey, buddy, mom's got to work for a little bit. Can you go play with your sensory bin? Or can you go play with your trucks? Or do you want me to put on a Bluey episode for you? Whatever the case might be. Um, He's a lot more respectful of it because we've started the day with the intentionality of we're going to have time together. Um, And I'm not just diving in and forgetting about you, but I want to have time with you. so that might that. be a fun little rhythm to add into your life. Yeah. And it also just helps my mind not be immediately consumed with my phone as soon as I step downstairs and I'm with Reese. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just kind of helps set the mood for the day. I love that so much. Um, that's so great. I've done that unintentionally sometimes and those days are always better. So that's definitely mm-hmm. a good thing that I should start to implement because it is really hard when you do all your work from your phone and it's like it's just like sometimes I just want to throw my phone out the window because it's on me 24 7 and like I I have clients that I manage their pages so I it's not like I can't same yeah but it's yeah yeah it's so hard but it was a really big rebuke when my two-year-old son looks at me and he goes mom put your phone away stop working and you're like "Ooh, he notices like Mm -hmm. it must be a thing and yeah. yeah, so just finding some of those moments where you don't have your phone even near you yeah. and just have that time with them, it I think it means more to them than we give it credit. So Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so are there any things that like you want to share? Any like where should people find you? I already talked about in my intro how much of a fun follow you are, especially when you go to Europe, which is semi- I do love to go to Europe. <laughs> I follow along. I'm like glued to my phone because Chelsea's in Europe. I love it so much. I live vicariously through you. It's a lot of food you. content, but. Uh, yes, I love it. I love it. Yes. Um, yeah, so I have two main accounts that I kind of post on. Miss underscore C underscore um, Lauren is my like personal account. That's where you're going to find kind of like my mom blogging. It's not even a blog. It's just my heart and soul kind of poured out into it. My day-to-day life. A lot of sourdough. A lot of somewhat crunchy things. Love it. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of my like more Jesus talk, that side of it. Yeah. And then my fun creative account is Chavot, which is C-H-E-V-E-U-X. I believe I spelled that correctly. I'm dyslexic, so I might. I don't know. Have... It'll go in the show notes. So Perfect. Yes. <laughs> I should know how to spell my own business name. That's really embarrassing. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> 
<laughs> but Chevelle by Chelsea. Yes. Um, yes, that is my like more fun account. That's my hair account. So you'll see hair inspiration there. Um, I post a lot of my travels there as well. Um, I do travel for work pretty consistently, at least quarterly. So you get to see some fun travel content for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are the two main accounts. Awesome. Yay. Yeah. Well, you can also um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can subscribe. Sorry, I'm like so bad at this part. My gosh. It's okay. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe, uh, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, the whole thing. Follow me at In Between Mama on all of the uh, platforms TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, the whole barrage of places. Um, but yes, thank you again so much for just taking thank the time you. to yes. join me and be so honest. And I really feel like it's going to impact someone. Um, just from all the different angles that you shared from. I really, really appreciate your honesty and just coming together with me today. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to do it again soon.